have you turn, actually give you a second maybe to find the book of Obadiah today. Obadiah is between, I believe, Amos and Jonah in your scriptures. And uh, I, I would like to continue to minister about the character of Christ. What was in him is what made him what he was. What is in him can be in you and can be in me. And if what was in him will be in us, then what flowed out from him can flow out from us. Praise God. That's an exciting thought. Amen. Character is something that can be developed. Uh, It doesn't matter if you lived your whole life deficient in an area. It can change. And it doesn't matter if you left, lived your whole life real strong in one area. If you don't pay attention to your heart and guard your heart, that could change for the worse. Amen. How many know folk can get bitter when they weren't bitter before? Right? And we want to have strong character. So, so we're looking to see what was in him. What was it that made him able to go against... I mean... What, what Jesus did in going against the popular voice and what Jesus did in going against the grain, if you will, swimming upstream. Come on, what salmon do is nothing compared to what Jesus did. He had to go against everything. How did he do that? Don't you know you're going to have to go against if you're going to be successful in God? You're going to have to say no to a lot of things. You're going to have to make the decision that you're going to go a different way. Amen. Does it make a difference? It's sad that so many Christians don't believe it really does make a difference. They think, well, yeah, all that is nice rhetoric. That's all a nice teaching. It fits together nice, but does it work? Does it make? I tell you, I want to tell you it works. I want to tell you you can live in a different place next year than you're in now. I'm in a place in God I'm talking about. Yes, 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 it does work. So we've been looking, of course, we looked at honor. Now we're looking at this great subject, this quality of humility. Jesus said... To his disciples, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, burdened down, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke on you. In other words, hook up to me, learn from me. And what are we going to find when we learn from you? I am I'm gentle and I'm of a humble spirit. You, he wants us to learn of his humility. And when you learn of his humility, you're going to find rest to your souls. And you're going to discover that his yoke, what he puts on you, is easy and light. If, if what's on you is not easy and light, you've been letting somebody else load your wagon. Yep. Yep. Amen. And so we want to make sure that we're not accepting packages that are not addressed to us from heaven. Right. Amen. Amen. There's all kind of packages you can decline delivery of. Yes. Amen. When the enemy knocks on your door and says, here, I want to put some worry on you. You say, no, thanks. That goes to my uh, unsaved neighbors down the street. They like to worry. <laughs> You know, or whoever you know that likes worry. There's people that like it. There's people that, that that's their badge, you know. And, uh, but not me. You, you deliver that package to me, I'm not going to sign for it. I'm not going to accept it. How do you accept it? With your mouth. You take it and start speaking it. That's how you accept it. Amen. And you can decline it the same way and say, no, I won't have that. That doesn't belong to me. I won't take it. His yoke is what? Easy and light. And then we read over in Philippians, the second chapter, that your attitude, my attitude ought to be the same as Jesus. 
Amen. Who, though he was in the form of God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he humbled himself. Remember that? He made himself nothing. He was made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And when you humble yourself, what happens? God will lift you up. It says, so there, therefore God exalted him and gave him the name above every name. Why was he exalted so highly? Because he humbled himself so lowly and became so lowly. Praise the Lord. Um, so we were talking about humility and then uh, the, it's evil twin. Pride. Right? It's evil opposite, I should say. Praise God. You remember anything about that? Last week we looked about, we said this, humility is simply believing the truth about yourself. Amen. Pride would be believing lies about yourself. Amen. And when we hear these statements that pride is believing a lie about yourself, and that's, that's what pride is, it's easy to think, well, I would never believe a lie about myself. Well, if you, believe, if you make that statement, you're believing a lie right now. Because in order to believe a lie, I'm sorry, in order to avoid believing a lie, you have to believe and know the truth. Amen. What is the truth about your, you? The truth about yourself is that you have nothing by yourself. The scriptures say, what do you have that you haven't received? Nothing. And uh, uh, Paul said, I know nothing by myself. If a man thinks himself to know nothing, uh, to know something, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. And Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And then truly Galatians 6 says, you are nothing. Amen. I know you probably don't want to rehearse that a whole lot. And these facts, you see, they, they're facts, they're truth. They will bring you low. Amen. And while they're doing that, they're uncomfortable to receive on the flesh. Because for, for all of us at one time or another, how many know everybody has to deal with pride? Everybody has. It's the nature of your flesh. Everybody has to deal with pride. Somebody might say, well, I've never had any problems with pride. You don't have problems with what you're yielding to. <laughs> you're only having problems with what you're resisting. And so if you never have any problems with pride, what do we know? You're not resisting it. You're yielding to it. <laughs> yeah. And so for everybody, when you hear these things, it's going to mean a new reality. It's good. Humility means that my opinions all of a sudden don't count for anything. Amen. Humility means that there's things that now I'm totally unqualified to weigh in on. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. I realize now I am completely dependent on him. All my worth and all my value is all wrapped up in who I am in him. Yes. Amen. Well, these truths are very humbling. Humility is reality. Yes. Belief in the truth. And it's only when our lives are aligned with the truth that it'll make, make us free. Yes. Hallelujah. Now, pride, on the other hand, is a system of false beliefs. People don't purposely believe wrong. They believe wrong thinking that they're believing right. But it's what the problem is, is their refusal to lower themselves under the mighty hand of God to see that they're not thinking right. Amen. It's people's being unteachable that ruins their lives. It's people not humbling themselves that, that causes them to be destroyed. Now, have you found Obadiah yet? Obadiah, it's only one chapter. Your Bible's thanking you for turning to this page. <laughs> 
Verse 3 says, the pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rocks, you who make your home on the heights, you who say to yourself, who can bring me down to the ground? And the Lord says, though you soar like the eagle and make your nest among the stars from there, I will bring you down, declares the Lord. Well, tough words, hard words, but true words. And notice then that first part, the pride of your heart has done what? Deceived you. Listen, all anyone has to do to be deceived is to stop listening to the word and start listening to other voices. That's all it takes. Did you hear me? Did you get that? All that anybody has to do to be deceived is stop listening to the truth. Stop listening to the word. Start listening to other voices. Just ask a lady named Eve. Amen. God told her clearly and specifically, you eat, you die. And Satan came to her and said, you, no, 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 that's not right. You will not die. And all she did, all Eve did was she yielded to the voice that was more real to her senses at the time. The voice that agreed with her feelings and validated her feelings is what she yielded to. If you listen to somebody tell you, this is okay, this is all right, it's okay, it's okay. And if you listen to that long enough, you're done. (laughs) See, what happened in the garden with Eve and Adam, that was, it was not just a mistake, it was pride. It wasn't okay when she did it. It's not okay when we do it. See, pride believes that somehow I'm qualified to override what God told me. I'm going to know pride always has a better idea. I said, pride, you might think, well, I always have a better idea. Pride always has a better idea. And then when Eve is confronted by God, she has no problem standing up in the face of God Almighty and saying, it wasn't my fault. She's still got a problem. <laughs> this, it, it wasn't me. It was him. It wasn't, it wasn't me. See, this happens every day now. Aren't you glad you're not God and have to deal with this? But people think, hey, I, look, I went to college. Now I know. Somebody tell me, what do, we, what do you know? Nothing. Yeah, it, nothing. 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 College or no college. I've got more years of college than most people. Well, I got uh, seven. That's enough college for me. I had somebody suggest that I ought to go back and finish a, a certain degree. I'm thinking, thank you for your suggestion. When, when, when you're living on the inside of me and directing things, I'll listen. Hallelujah. How, how is it? How do people come into a church like this? And, and many can't come into a church to visit like this. And they know nothing about God pretty much. And in the first 15 minutes, they've decided this is, this is not what I'm looking for. Yep. If you don't know the truth, how could you possibly know what you're looking for? You need somebody to show you what you're looking for, right? What they really mean is this is not what my flesh wants. Hmm? So I need a place with people, more people my own age. Huh? 
because the word ain't going to do it. The Holy Spirit's not going to do it. So other people your own age that know nothing like you do, that's what you need. <laughs> you know, we have to have, no, I need to go somewhere that's got a better children's program. Look, look, look. Those are excuses to keep your pride intact and not humble yourself before the Lord. Amen. If I had a dollar for every time over the years that I've heard someone say to me on their way out, and, and sometimes you don't find out they're out until they've been gone for a while. You know how that is. But uh, well, if you hopefully you don't know how that is. But but anyhow, if I had a dollar for every time I heard pastor, we're just going through some things. So what we need to do is we just need to pull back for a while. Because we're going through some things. So we just need some space and some time to work things out. I even had one pr person tell me we have to pull back because I, I feel like I need to protect my family. Because, you know, this church has a reputation for ripping families to pieces and tearing people apart. I don't know why they said that, but they said, I need to protect my family, my kids, you know, and keep our family together. So we got to pull back for a while. So what I don't understand is you're going through a hard time. So you need to pull back from the only thing that can help you. You need to pull away from the only thing that can help you. Hmm? Are you sure that you're not pulling back because you've gotten so stiff necked that you don't want to hear anything that might require change in your life? Could that could that be? Can I ask, why are you in the crisis anyhow? Why are you in the? Well, because of my job. Well, because of my kid, because of my spouse, because of what that pastor teaches. <laughs> Stop it, Eve. Stop it, Adam. Hmm? It's because you got deceived. And it's nobody else's fault now. Hallelujah. We're teaching on humility and pride. <laughs> Hallelujah. And what needs to happen is you need to just get on your face before God. Yes. Repent for blaming anybody else. Yes. Humble yourself. Yes. No more excuses and humble yourself and accept the truth. Yes. Humbly receive the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls, yes. is able to straighten out the mess. Yes. Yes. Well, I just need time. You're deceived. Yes. You're deceived. You want time to let the whole problem run its course the way you're doing it. And really, you're running out of time. Yes. Nothing will ever be right until we acknowledge the answer. The word is always the answer. The answer is always the answer. Yes. And you hear so many of these things all along because people are making excuses to support the way they want to live. Yes. Amen. Yes. And it's their right to do so. But yes. <laughs> yes. 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 now we're not trying to make people feel bad. How many know the truth? about who you are in Christ will never make you feel bad if you accept it. What will make you feel bad is when you've embraced lies and then the truth comes and rubs up against it and against people's lifestyle that's ungodly. Amen. Humility always welcomes the truth no matter how uncomfortable it is. And it's quick to make any adjustments that are necessary. You might want to get this. Pride makes excuses. Humility makes adjustments. Pride makes excuses. Humility makes adjustments. We'll have you turn to the fourth chapter of James this morning. I'm convinced because for a long time I didn't see these things and see how big they were to God. I'm convinced that many other people in the body of Christ have the same dilemma. They don't see how important these things are. And these things are enormous spiritual issues to him. Just how big are these things to God? Well, 
In the fourth chapter of James, verse 6 says, He gives us more grace. Now somebody tell me, how are you going to get anything done in life? If you can't do it by yourself, how are you going to do it? You can only do it with His help, which means you're going to need His grace for it. His grace is His ability. That's why the scripture says God opposes or resists the proud. But he gives grace to who? The humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Now, folk like the resist the devil part, but not so much the submit yourselves to God part. Which is, where, which is where humility plays in. Yeah. Do you know if you won't yield to God, you cannot expect the devil to yield to you. Amen. Did you get that or do you need me to say it again? Yeah. <laughs> if you won't yield to God, the devil won't yield to you. He don't have to. Praise the Lord. God, what does God do to, the, to pride? He opposes it. He resists it. He doesn't overlook it. When people resist the truth, it's because they have a, a different opinion. It sets God up against them. You know, this works for Christians as well as unbelievers. We can talk about how if God be for me, who can be against me? God can be against you. I said God can be against you. But when you humble yourself before him, he gives his grace to you. And now you can do what you did, couldn't even do before. Are we surprised then that the devil works around the clock? To get people's minds to think on things that aren't true. Now, the scriptures follow the lives of two people that I want to look at. They were very closely associated at one time. And they both start out at, started out in humility. And what do we expect if we see somebody walking in humility? What do we think might happen with them? They're going to get raised up. They're going to get exalted. Amen. And they did. But there's always the danger that when you're exalted, you begin to think that your promotion had more to do with your ability than your humility. And it doesn't. When you get lifted up, it's not because of your ability. It would be because of your humility. Amen. And that's that's what happened actually in both of these cases. And in the case of one of these men, their, their life was just a tragedy from then on. But the other one bounced back from it. I want you to go to the book of 1 Samuel. Is this okay today? Amen. We're endeavoring to feed your spirit. The, the anointing's here for it. First Samuel, the 15th chapter. And as you're turning there, we're going to look at the life of a gentleman. His name was Saul. And uh, well, Saul got picked. Saul got picked. And in verse 1, Samuel 15, 1 Samuel 15, Samuel said to Saul, now Samuel was the prophet. Right. And he said to Saul, I'm the one the Lord has sent to anoint you king 
over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go attack the Amalekites. Notice this and totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. Okay, that was Saul's directive from the Lord. You might say, well, why would he? No, no, no. Doesn't matter why the Lord would have him destroy women and children and infants and all that. Doesn't matter why. It, what matters is, did he say it? Hmm? Did he say it? He did. Does he have a good reason for saying what he said? Not only did he say destroy all that, he wanted destroyed all the cattle and the sheep and the camels and the donkeys. That's basically like saying, you know, I'm giving you the, air, the city, but I'm setting fire to the mall and everything in it. <laughs> Blowing up every car on the car dealership's lots. And giving you a flat piece of land to start with. Well, we go on and... Uh, they, they, they did, in fact, have the war. Look at verse 7. It said, Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur to the east of Egypt. He took Ag Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. Oh, well, I see a problem right there, don't you? And all his people he totally destroyed with his sword. Well, that's good. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and the lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely. Unwilling. Unwilling. Boy, there's a character word right there. They were unwilling to destroy them completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. So Samuel, Saul, rather, he did receive from Samuel, did he not, the word of the Lord. But he mixed it with something that we could call his own interpretation. He, he took what God said and he decided that God didn't really mean it like he said it. But that it was OK to filter what God said through his own opinion. And because, see, Saul wasn't mindful of the fact that he knew nothing by himself. See, now he's got a crown. Yeah, okay. yeah, okay. And he put too much weight on his own thoughts and he let them outweigh the word from the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Pride always feels free to modify the instructions that are given oh. to him. Yes. Pride always feels free to do it its own way. Right. Hmm? Yeah. To pay no attention to directions. You start, you start giving folk direction and halfway through they say, I know, I know, pride. That's pride right there. God resists that. It stinks in his sight. But humility, see, humility will pay attention to the instructions. And if it then, if it seems like something's not right and something needs to be changed, what will humility do? It'll ask. Pride presumes, humility asks. Pride presumes. 
Humility asks. Now, what happened to Saul? Verse 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. This is Saul's first assignment. Right out the gate. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I am grieved that I've made Saul king because he's turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was troubled and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul, but he was told Saul's gone to Carmel. There he set up a monument in his own honor. Oh, he's doing terrific. And he's turned and gone on down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. <laughs> I've heard folks say, I'm serving God. We're serving God. And I know a little bit something about their life. By whose definition are you serving God? Your own. Your own. By whose definition did he carry out the Lord's instruction? In his own head, he carried out the Lord's instructions, the part he wanted to do. Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? <laughs> what is this lowing of cattle that I hear? This is supposed to be an army base. And why does it sound like a farm if you carried out the Lord? You didn't bring cattle and sheep with you. Saul answered, the soldiers. This woman you gave me. Uh, the serpent. Yeah. Yeah. The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. See, surely the Lord wanted to keep, keep uh, part of them alive so we could sacrifice to them. He's lying to the prophet. He's lying to the prophet. He was not that interested. If he was that interested in a sacrifice, he wouldn't have disobeyed to begin with. And I like what's, what, what happened next. Samuel said, stop, stop. He shushed him. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes. Ah, that's how, he, that's how he got king. Come on now. You're playing checkers. Those things are just one. Those things are small when you get over there and you say king me. But now all of a sudden they're big. Saul got kinged. And now he said, when you were small, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people. The Amalekites make war on them until you've wiped them out. Why did you not obey? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. He is deceived. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king, for his pride. So he could show everybody, 
I got the king. And the soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder. The best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. And Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord to obey? I said to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed or to listen is better than the fat of rams for rebellion is like the sin of divination or witchcraft and arrogance is like the evil of idolatry because you've rejected the word of the Lord. He has rejected you as king. See, pride blames others. Pride blames humility repents. But some might say, well, I thought Saul did repent because you go on reading verse 24. Saul said to Samuel, I've sinned. I violated the Lord's command, your instruction. I was afraid of the people. So I gave in to him. Now I beg you, forgive me. It looks like he's repenting. But it, and at first glance, it seems like he did, but his action showed otherwise. Amen. It was it was uh, it got around that. Samuel, the prophet, was in town and two verses later, Saul says, will you at least come and honor me before the people? You know, the people went and, and know that I saw you. Will, will you at least come and say something great about me before? the? Uh, come on now. That ain't repenting. That ain't repenting. Anybody can say they're sorry to get the conversation over with. We see pride here, don't we? Pride lives in whatever reality is convenient. It makes up its own truth. Amen. And folk do the equivalent of what Saul did every day. We, we see this with relationships. You know, I like this person, but I know they, they don't know God. They don't serve God. They're not, I know they're not someone I can marry, but I want the companionship. I want the sex. And so because, it's, because our culture allows it, it's okay now. Somebody tell me what that person is. They're deceit. That's what you choose to believe, but that's not the truth. The pride of your heart has deceived, deceived you. Amen. And see, the thing is, what you allow to deceive you will eventually destroy you. Wrong believing will produce wrong thinking and wrong thinking will produce wrong actions. If you think on something long enough, you'll act on it. Men, uh, you know, men or women that would say, well, I just I look at these magazines or I look at this stuff on the Internet or on or on movies or whatever, but I would never do it in real life. See, no, that's that. You can't say that. No, no molester or anybody else ever started out thinking they would do that. I bet you most of them thought it was perverse and disgusting. You think on something long enough, you'll act on it. Amen. So the minute God told Saul he was done. How many know the anointing left Saul? The anointing left him, which means the ability to rule left him. But he talked himself into believing that he could be king and do it by himself. And do you know that he held on to that position for years without any anointing to do it? With no grace, God resisting him the whole time. And it was just one mess after another mess until his miserable death. Why did he do it? 
pride, deception, hardness of heart, a lack of the character of Christ. But I want to talk to you before we dismiss today about his successor, David. Because David had a different heart. He had a humble spirit. He had a teachable spirit. And just like Saul, God was able to exalt David up to a great place. But David, just like Saul, he allowed himself to get deceived and he forgot that the reason that he was great was not because he was great. The reason he was great was because God was great. And so David began to believe lies and began to believe the lie that his royal authority somehow gave him the right to take the wife of one of his most faithful and closest soldiers while his soldier was out. And it was okay to take her and sleep with her for the night. And somehow that was okay because he was king. And then, of course, you know the story. Once it was discovered that she was pregnant, he had this man who had served him so faithfully. He was one of David's mighty men. If you study it out, you find out. Uriah was. And uh, had him killed. Now, you take Saul's sin and David's sin. Saul's sin was that he modified the directions on an assignment. David's sin was adultery, conspiracy, and murder. Which one, which one really is the greater <laughs> mess up? I mean, most of us who, who would weigh sin would say David's was by far the greater. The greater. But you know that the, who has the bigger mess isn't the issue? The issue is who's the one that will humble themselves when they see their sin and allow God to restore them. Because Saul kept, Saul kept his pride intact all the way to the end. He would not allow himself to be changed. He would not allow himself to be moved. David, the second that his sin was apparent to him, humbled himself. He hit, he hit the carpet. They probably didn't have carpet. But he hit his face to the ground. He lowered himself all the way down. He truly truly repented. And you know, and I know that that today and even back then, most leaders could never recover their place if they fell like David fell. But because David humbled himself and could receive God's grace, he did. I said he did. There were consequences for his actions. Yes, there were. Uh, I mean, one consequence is you and I get to read it it forever and ever and ever. And it's not hidden from the whole world. How many have things in your, you know, I'm not, look, don't raise your hand, but how many have things in your life that you'd rather everybody in the world not know about? But David became great again through the, how great is the grace of God? Listen, it's as great as the humility is low that'll receive it. He lowered himself so much that the grace of God was able to restore him, set him up. And how did David die? He died an old man with honor. Honor fully restored. Man. Humility. In the kingdom of God, the way up is down. Amen. In Christ, we have such a position. We can do all things through him. But by ourselves, we're nothing. And if we remember that. 
and resist the thoughts of pride. Resist the suggestions that, you know what? They just don't appreciate you. Why should they? They're just not that, they're just not grateful for you. Why should they be? It's not about me. They just don't appreciate all my skill and my expertise. Where'd you get it from? I don't ever get thanked for my contributions. Where'd you get the money to begin with? Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. In my life, the Lord has had to deal with me, particularly when he was first showing me these things some years ago. I mean, it just seemed like this was something I wasn't going to conquer too easy, (laughs) you know. But I I mean, he just helped me see that unless I lower myself and get me out of the way, he wasn't going to be able to take me too far. Amen. And I haven't been perfect, just like none of us have been perfect in it, you know. But I'm as committed as ever to stay down because I want to be usable. Uh, let's look at one more scripture before we're dismissed. I think we have time for one more. Go to Numbers chapter 12. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for humility, aren't you? Pride's the nature of the flesh, but we can get below that. Humility can say, I'm sorry, easily. It can say I'm wrong easily. Humility has no problem saying, oh, I didn't know that. Humility has no problem being impressed with with something that you didn't know and showing it. Wow, I never knew that. Pride will never do that. Pride can hear something it's never heard before and on the inside it's going, oh, that's cool and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I knew that. Pride will never say I'm wrong. Pride will never say I'm sorry. Pride will just keep blaming, keep making excuses. Uh, we'll look at one more man. I hadn't, I hadn't planned to go here, but I think this will help us wrap this up. And there's some other qualities of the character of Christ we'll look at starting next time. In Numbers 12, verse 1 says, Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses. Because of his Cushite wife, they don't like who he married. He, he had married a Cushite. Yeah. Interracial marriage has been bothering people for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, long time. And so they asked, they, Miriam and Aaron, that Miriam was Moses' sister, Aaron was his brother. And they began to say, has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked. Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. See, they're thinking Moses is ruining our pure family pedigree. Y'all were slaves in Egypt. Yeah. Yeah. But I want you to notice this. Verse 3 says, Now Moses was a very what? Was a very humble man. The King James says meek, but it means humble. He was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Moses, the Bible's true, isn't it? Moses is reported as being the most humble man of his time. 
and of his generation. May I also ask you, who was the most used of God of his generation? Who had more grace than anybody else of his generation? Moses. I was get a kick out of the fact that this is one of the five books of Moses. <laughs> and he wrote this about himself. <laughs> it's like the guy that said, I'm proud to say I'm the most humble one in my family. <laughs> Nevertheless, it's true. If it wasn't true, the Lord wouldn't have had it, you know, get in the book. He was the most humble. He had learned to lower himself the most. And he was the most used. And that's still today. It works that way today. Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, your word has a humbling effect on us because it's truth. And we thank you, Father, that the truth sets us free. And we thank you for your grace. Thank you, Father, for humility, for freedom from pride. And we thank you, Lord, that your yoke is easy. We experience rest to our souls when we walk in humility. And we thank you for helping us all to increase in this area of lowering ourselves and be able to be used more, be able to be lifted up by you more for your purposes and your glory. And we ask that you get much glory and reflection to yourself through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.